welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 90 for Saturday the 3rd of March 2018. I'm very happy to announce right at the beginning of this podcast diary that I have at last got another 5,431 words written of who to trust. And I'm intending on writing the last 5,000 or so words tomorrow on the Saturday. So it's been a bit of a long time coming this ending. And the reason for that was I think I'd been, hadn't been particularly well, I think, one week. So I'd cut myself some slack. And what I'd done is I'd just done a load of um, catching up work. Frankly, I just needed to catch up uh, because I'd been away in Peterborough at a conference. So I did my catching up that week. And then last week, I didn't feel sort of ready to write again last week. So what I decided to do is I just shuffled the order around. And so last weekend, Helen Fazal, my editor, had got phase six back to me um, earlier than we'd agreed, which is great. She usually gets a bit early for me. And so what I decided to do was to do my final read of phase six last weekend. Now, by final read, um, I, I Helen's g- gone through it with a fine tooth comb. She usually raises some issues, so I, I just adjust those last issues in the text, make any changes that I need to, and then I've sent it back to Helen, and she just gives it a final sweep for spellings, as I will do before I publish it. So last weekend, I decided to run through phase six, so that went back to Helen on, on Monday for her final look. And then on Sunday of last week, what I decided to do, because I wasn't ready to write who to trust, what I decided to do is to do what normally comes after I finish the book. So when I finish writing the first draft of a book, I normally go through the changes that my wife's made. She reads it as I go along. And then I read it thoroughly and make the changes that I need to make and check for spellings and things. And then I hand it to Helen Fazar. This time I did it out of order to enable myself to be productive. So last Sunday... I went through chapters one to four of Who to Trust and made my wife's changes. And then on Thursday of this week, I went through chapters five to eight of Who to Trust and went through my wife's changes. And what that did is it it completely refreshed my mind about the story. And having done that, the the solution to my writing problem was completely obvious because I'd laid all these trails and as it, as I refreshed myself going through it I thought oh yeah, yeah yeah I've got this now so when I sat down to write this morning I have to say um it had shaken my nerve a little bit I was I was a bit jittery about it actually sitting down to write which is ridiculous isn't it it's like it, it's like if you know how to ride a bike and you haven't ridden a bike for a year for instance and what is it that enables you to jump on a bike and just start riding again well there was a bit of that this morning when I sat down to write um that trepidation uh, because I haven't written for two weeks. And so I sat down to write and we saw straight through the 5,000 word process or, or target. And um, the writing came extremely easy today. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really feel like I've got the plot now. So uh, that was interesting. I've not done it that way before, but to, you know, to read back through the work when I was stuck and then to see all these things that I'd set out there and thought, yeah, I could use that, I could pull that in, I could pull that, and, and then the story emerged from that. So um, <laughs> I don't really want to go through that again anytime soon. I, I don't particularly enjoy that process of being uh, a little bit stuck. 
but it does feel, I just feel elated today, <laughs> just having got back on the horse and, and, and done it again. And I'm all fired up. It's one of those days where I could just sit there writing, but I'm not going to because I have people coming home and, you know, life, life to do around it. But um, I'm really looking forward to writing tomorrow because it's so uh, fixed in my head now uh, what I'm going to do. So so what I will do then, because um, I've had a, a run of four days that, that I wasn't, I uh, say I wasn't working, I put that in inverted commas, four days when I didn't have anything on. So Thursday, I did the Who to Trust uh, chapters five to, to eight reviews. Friday today, I've written 5,000 words. Saturday, which is tomorrow when I'm recording this, another 5,000 words. And then on Sunday, I will then do, completely out of sequence, I'll review the chapters that I've just written, chapters 9 and 10. Um, hopefully get my wife to read it tomorrow afternoon <laughs> to make sure I get a lots of teas when she gets back from work. And um, so that I can then do my final review of the last chapters. Now, um I was speaking to Helen Fazar, my editor, this week, and it was due to be on the 5th of March. I would have hit that deadline. But when I was chatting to Helen via email this week, um, she said, well, it's fine by her to come in for the 19th of March. So that's quite useful for me. It gives me another couple of weeks with it in my hands if I feel that I need to rewrite anything. Um, so that's gone okay. I think we're going to slip the publication dates. To be honest, it didn't really matter when it's published, uh, this book. I mean, you know what it's like. Always the sooner the better. But because I haven't really done anything, the, the last three books I've written, I haven't really done anything with them, to be honest with you. And I'm a bit embarrassed to say that only because, you know, don't tell Meg is the one that's been making me the money. So um, although those books have been selling in, in dribs and drabs, don't tell Meg is where I've been putting the focus because that's what's brought the money. In. And incidentally, while I'm talking about that, I had uh, my Amazon, what I call Amazon payday uh, this week, wasn't it? It was the end of the month. And um, I got paid the December earnings from my from Amazon. So you you always have to remember that it's we're slightly out of sync. So last month was my my four thousand pound month, and the month uh, after that. So remember my bookbub promo was the thirtieth and the thirty first of October in two thousand and seventeen, and so then last month I got paid November's. So that was four thousand pounds. That was my big. That's the big month, and then uh, this month I, I thought I was going to get paid about a thousand pounds but it was about one thousand four hundred and fifty pounds this month from amazon uh, so that was a pleasant surprise to get to get more than i'd budgeted and i should be due uh probably a little bit less but about the same next month so i'm sharing those figures with you just to show you this long tail that you get from a book bub uh, promo and as i say because um don't tell meg you know frankly it's still is still selling really well at the moment um I, I haven't really focused on the other three books now when who to trust comes out um i'm going to then configure those books so that you've got i'm going to have all sorts of configurations so you, you're going to be able to buy um, sets of two at a time i'm going to create a mega set that has all the books in so it'll probably be a, a box set of six um, i'm going to choose the book that i think is sort of selling easiest that gets the best reviews to be the standalone that will be zero uh free perma free or, or 99 cents i haven't decided what to do with that yet and then i'll start to to market those so um you know i've been really negligent frankly just just let these things flop out not doing anything with them but to be honest with you, i can't keep up with it I, you know there's i've got um what have I got? Well, seventh sci-fi coming out soon. Um, and I've been writing. I always knew it was going to be tight in this quarter for getting the writing done. Um, and it has been tight and, um, but it's got done. So I think I'd, I'd hoped that Who to Trust would get released May the 3rd. Um, talking to Helen this week, I think I'm just going to slip it. I, there's just no pressure on me. I don't have to do it. 
Um, so it, it's going to be done. I, I want it out by the end of, of May. I want it to still hit the same uh, month if I can. So Who to Trust will be out sometime uh, towards the end of May. I think I did set a date for it. Let me just have a look at my schedule. I'm sure I figured out the best date for it the other day. Um, but I'd only picked May the 3rd because it's my brother's birthday. It was a completely um, notional date and it's not up for pre-sale yet. Uh, when have I put it? I can't find it. Oh, who to trust? I've actually put it for Thursday, the 31st of May. Um, uh, and I won't set it for pre-release until I've got the first um, read back from, from Helen, until I've got her edit back. Uh, that's usually when I set the pre- pre-release date. So uh, no rush with that. But when, when we get to May, I'm hoping... I'm, well, I know I'm going to be less. Uh, at the moment, I'm going to be less busy in May. I know I'm going to be less busy in May, so I hope then to have some time. Well, I will have some time to configure them in Vellum, uh, you know, make up the various selling permutations that I need. Um, the the other thing is, is that really I'm also in marketing terms, I'm working towards a second crack at BookBub. So uh, very soon, what is it now? It's, it's March now, isn't it? So. In April, Stuart Bache is going to be, I've commissioned Stuart Bache to do me uh, three covers for Don't Tell Meg. So at the moment, this is, this is my priority because Don't Tell Meg is, is shifting so easily and because it, it seems to have some prominence in Amazon. So it, it's selling itself at the moment. I, I, I could put in for another BookBub promo after the six months. So my, my aim at the moment is to get those nice covers, which will hopefully make it look like it's, a traditionally published book because as you know if you listen to these diaries i i don't think the covers on don't tell egg are particularly they're not particularly good but they, they have they don't seem to be any harm in terms of sales but they're not particularly good covers well there's some really good covers on that book and then i want to pitch to bookbub again and see if on the basis of the business we did last time and with some brand new covers on so you know something fresh to bring to the party see if they will give me another promo because i know based on previous experience, I could do a certain amount of business um, from that promo. Even if I do half the business, that would be fantastic. So that's really where I'm focused in my mind. It's always been towards that next BookBub promo. Um, that, that That's it. So everything is in place. I always say, oh, I'm rubbish at marketing. I haven't done any marketing. But there is method in the madness. And there's only so many things you could do um, in a week. So my number one aim is to is to repeat what I did on BookBub and, and if, if they give me another go to try and make more sales than I made on BookBub because I'm still so I'm still living off that money. That's still bringing in money for me. Now, it's going to drop. This month's going to drop. I think it's going to be about £700, £750 this month. So it is definitely dropping. Um, but the other thing that's happening with the book sales is that my MailChimp book, I, you know, I, I've told you about this before too. I don't do any marketing on that MailChimp book. Well, I, say, I say I don't do any marketing. I, I've got some Amazon ads running, but I'm not paying anything on the Amazon ads. I, I had a look at them the other day thinking, blimey, I, I must check these in case I owe them $500 or something like that because I've just completely forgot them. But the non-fiction Amazon ads are the ones that seem to be working for me. I don't know whether this is where the sales are coming from, but um, the MailChimp book is, is selling. I'm selling 500 quids worth of of MailChimp books a month without um, lifting a finger other than just letting those ads run. And they weren't spectacular ads, um, but they're all, I can't even remember how Brian Meeks describes it in his Amazon ads book, but they're all doing what they're supposed to do in terms of the numbers. Um, So I just let them run, but I was having no success with fiction. And so because I've been so busy this quarter, I haven't really even thought about Facebook ads or uh, Amazon ads. So you know, I do. I am aware that I do need to do some some marketing soon. But but really, 
that book bub was just so good for me. I just want another one of those. Thank you very much. That, that will do me fine for another six month run. Um, but also, also it will, you know, when you get that amount of money into your business. So, you know, I know how it is because it's been like this for me since 2014 when I started writing. It's just been outlay. It's been outlay after outlay after outlay for me. So I've paid for covers. I've paid for proofreaders. It's been money out, money out, money out and a little trickle of, of money in. And so to have that boost in BookBub and to have that suddenly that amount of money um, flowing through the business, you know, an extra seven or eight thousand pounds flowing through the business, it's uh, fa- fantastic. Frankly, it uh, it really gives you um, some freedom, it gives you a sort of taste of, of of hopefully what it will be like if you can replicate that month in month out. Now, I, I'm nowhere near doing that at the moment, but if I could create another six month flurry of income with another BookBub. I'm more than happy to do that. Um, that will be great for me. Uh, it just buys you some time. It just, you know, brings, brings some income in, um, into the business. And, and that in turn, I could reinvest in covers. I could make things better. Uh, you know, I've managed to commission, uh, a Bloodhound Books developmental editor for September. It just gives you some more choices and permutation. So that's where everything's focused, really. But, uh, in summary, you know, I'm really, really happy that I'm back to who to trust now. It's funny that, as you know, that book was giving me no problems at all, but I really just got stuck at the end. Uh, very happy that I'll be fine tomorrow with that, and I'll just be able to crack on with it. It's all in my head now. I know where it's going now. Um, but also, at least I used the time that I was stuck uh, productively and managed to get phase six uh, done, and that'll be out on the 23rd of March. So, you know, I'm very pleased about that. But sometimes, uh, and again, I'm sure a lot of you listening to this now will, will experience this. Sometimes you're just so busy working, you barely look up to take the air sometimes and, and just, just think about marketing and all the, the other things. But I've said it time and time again on this diary. My objective has always been to, been to have seven sci-fis, seven thrillers, to configure those in certain ways um, and then to to obviously to, to, to market those configurations. And, and so I will be taking more time to write the next book, which is going to be the Project Bloodhound book. Um, so that's, I mean, it'll be written by the summer holidays, um, unless anything happens to slow me down. Uh, but I won't, I, I, I will have that book, although I'll finish at the end, mid July. I'll have it to do my edits and changes to in between mid July and September. I'll give it to the development editor in September, probably get it back October time. So it won't even be ready till Christmas. So that's a complete change in pace for me. And I've been thinking about what I'm going to do in that time when I'm not writing the Project Bloodhound book, when effectively it's a very long uh, editing process, longer than I've ever done before. And one of the things that did occur to me when I was looking at the income that's coming off those MailChimp books was, and I've said this to you before, am I missing a trick here? You look at the way that the nonfiction sells. I always get good feedback for my nonfiction. Um, I, I generally get good feedback for my, for my teaching um, when, I, when I teach people stuff, um, whether that be on video uh, or, or, or the books. And it did make me think, because the, fa- the Facebook book was, was a bestseller for a long time, sh- should I just get off my butt over summer and just refresh those 
those non-fiction books. Put put the, the covers on. Uh, just make them look a little bit sexier than they were first time round, because that's also helped as well for me to sell more books. And, and just get some non-fictions out there in, in, in subjects that sell. I know that I know the Facebook one sells really well. Um, the Mailchimp one's selling really well. Uh, the WordPress one does okay, not brilliantly, but it does okay. Um, but I but I could also knock them out very fast, and I've got the basic text. Now the thing that's stopping me, and I'll, I'll throw this out there to my podcast listening community, and, and tell me whether you can help with this. At the moment, when I when I do those non-fiction books, I have them in Word. And I, the problem with them is, is that I use screenshots in them uh, to show you what to click and where things are. And what I tried with those books is importing them into Vellum, but all Vellum does is it imports the text. It doesn't bring the images in. Now, what I won't, don't want to have to do particularly is, is have to just load all the images up in Vellum again. So what I'm wondering is, I'd like to get them out of Microsoft Word because it's a pain, but so I'd like to put them into something like Vellum, like Vellum. It doesn't have to be Vellum, but something like Vellum that will manage the images as well and will allow me to quickly update them. Because if I could more dynamically update these books, if it wasn't such a, a pain to do it, then I would be happier to re-release them and update them. It's only that it's such a pain working in Microsoft Word and getting the pages all um, sized and everything aligned properly. That's the bit I hate about them. And actually, while I'm saying that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I, I bet I know the answer to this. And the answer probably is it's the Adobe software. What's it called? Adobe, da-da, whatever it is, Adobe something or other. Um, and I, and I, I've got a memory like a sieve, but Russell Holden, who came on my podcast, I know that he does all his books in Adobe, da-da, whatever it is, whatever the software is called. That's quite expensive. It's got quite a learning curve. So, um, is there anything else that could manage that more easily? If you know, could you just drop me a line at paul at paulteague.com? I'd just be interested to hear because I think if I could do those, if I could do the updates more quickly and with less pain, I would be much more inclined to get those non-fictions out there and refreshed. And, you know, frankly, based on the MailChimp, it would bring, I'd make a lot more sales and a lot more income from it. So uh, quite a lot in there, actually. <laughs> I went all over the place. A little tour de force of this week's writing. But uh, the summary is I'm very happy to be back with Who to Trust. And I hope to finish that off next week. I should be telling you in next week's diary that that book is now finished and ready to go off to Helen Vazal. So uh, in general news, well, I've mentioned the uh, the book income, 1,450, whatever it was. And that's made up of all sorts of bits and pieces. But, um, you know, I'm very happy with that. And uh, actually... Um, I don't do this enough, and actually, I haven't sort of celebrated my successes recently. But I actually felt a little bit proud actually when that money came in. So I was expecting probably about a hundred. I always budget down, and then I get a nice surprise when it's more than I thought. So I thought about maybe a thousand this month, and when it came in at one four fifty, that's an extra four fifty that I had budgeted for uh, in the business account. And I thought, well, you know, I feel quite sort of pleased about that because we're selling digital books. We have to sell a lot of digital books to make that money. It's a lot of digital books for a small, unknown author. And so um, I just had a moment of, of feeling quite pleased and, and, and proud with it this week when I thought, you know, that's all right, that. If I could just knock that up a little bit more and do that every month, we're there. We're, that That's fine for me. I can live on that, <laughs> particularly when the kids stop eating me out of house and home. But, um, you know, for, for, for two of us, that, that income will be fine. So... 
you know, it feels, doesn't it? it feels so close, but so far. And the thing is, I know I can't repeat that month in, month out yet, but it is very nice to get a sniff of it, to get close to it and to see that that level is attainable. On Tuesday, I did a podcast interview with Craig Lee Gordon. Craig is one of the authors that I met through networking effectively. So you may remember that I did some Insta freebie giveaways. I did some sci-fi ones and some thriller ones. And I've kind of exited that market now. It's not something that really excites me that much. But and I also think that Insta freebies lost its um, impact. Um, so I haven't done any giveaways. I'm certainly not holding them. They take too, too much of my time to do them. So I'm not certainly not going to hold them. I might take part in some in the future. But I met Craig um, in a giveaway in, in 2017. It was a sci-fi giveaway. And um, he just astonished me because he, above everybody else, he beat he, he whooped me in terms of the traffic that I could send to the giveaway. But he sent something like 4,000-something unique clicks to the giveaway. And he was way ahead of everybody else. And I know that when he won that giveaway, and I sent him a little prize for promotion and things, I said, we, we must talk. I'd love to know how you did that. And he was just doing some really interesting things as an author. When we spoke on Tuesday, uh, we were both sort of snowed in. I'm in the northwest. He's in the northeast. And so we were sharing our snow experiences. Uh, but Craig's doing some really interesting stuff. And th- th- it was what I was saying to him. It's my hundred, it was my 107th in terms of sequence. It was my 107th author interview. And I couldn't believe how much different stuff Craig was doing, how different his strategy was. After that many interviews, I'm still talking to authors who make me think, I didn't know that. I didn't know you could do that. Never heard of that. And that's the benefit of doing a podcast like this and hopefully of listening to a podcast like this, that you're just constantly hearing things that you weren't aware of or you didn't think of. So really, really interesting interview with Craig. And that's going to be running uh, next month in March. Well, it's March now, isn't it? So it's going to be running this month in March. On Sunday, I'm going to be interviewing Martha Carr. Now, Martha is very high up in the 20 books to 50K uh, food chain, if you want to call it that. And uh, she did a brilliant, uh, quite a stunning uh, presentation, actually, at the 20 books event in London. And I, you'll have heard me say, I think, on these diaries that um, collaboration doesn't really, uh, really interest me. Um, I don't work brilliantly with other people. Um, I know that, and I like to just get on with stuff myself a lot of the time, uh, which just doesn't mean I can't work with other people. It just means generally I just like to get on with stuff. And um, so, I, so collaboration isn't something that interests me at all. Um, it, it, to me, it, it, collaboration is complication. Um, that that's that's how I feel. Uh, my gut reaction towards collaboration. But uh, listening to Martha at the Twenty Books London event, it just made me revise my view of that because number one I thought well you know what Martha you know I I would like to collaborate with you because the way you're describing your process and the way you organize it it feels like a, a well-managed situation and I, I guess that's why I'm reluctant to get involved in collaboration because where it's badly managed you know to me it means mess uh, confusion people not knowing what they're doing. But where it's well-managed, it's like any, it's like having a job, isn't it? If you've got a good manager, everything runs really well and it's all sweet for everybody. And I was listening to Martha and, and I really liked her. And I just think, you know what? You're the first person who's made me think that collaboration might be an interesting thing to do. So I thought I've got to talk to her because um, 
she's had that much impact on me. And we're chatting and recording the interview on Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to that. Martha's over in the States. She, she is a result of her work with the 20 Books Group. She said at the event in London, has just bought her dream house um, from writing. So there's a hugely uh, inspirational story in there. And uh, I don't know whether she'll share it when I interview her on Sunday. Uh, but she told us, oh, what a story she told us at 20 Books. And to be honest with you, she told it so well at 20 Books. And I think it was quite spontaneous. What I might do is actually just, I'll ask the 20 Books guys if I can just edit the video down and show that bit and put it on her page. Because in many respects, if I ask her to retell it, it probably won't be as powerful as it was at 20 Books. Because I don't think she'd expected to share it with us at 20 Books. And she did. And it was, you know, wow. What a story. So I, I think I, I might, I might, um, talk about it in the interview, but I think that that's the most powerful telling of it, uh, at that event. So I, I think I might go for that. And hopefully, because I did the videoing for them at 20 books, I hope they'll say yes to me. But uh, if not, I'm sure I can find some jiggery pokery. I think it's on YouTube. And on YouTube, I think you can set the YouTube video to start at the bit you want it to. So I'm sure I can find a way around that um, to, to let you see the, the video where I want you to. So anyhow, that's coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to that interview. Uh, next weekend, I'm at Crime and Publishment. So uh, I'm up in Gretna for, for three days next week because um, I'm going up on Thursday the day before the event starts to see Graham Smith. Now, Graham Smith has been interviewed on this podcast before. Graham is published with Caffeine Nights. So he's traditionally published. He's also published with Bloodhound Books. Uh, he's got different series running for different publishers. I was looking at, he, he does a thing on, I think it's on the Crime and Publishment site. They do this thing where they share their word counts for the week. And Graham's hitting 15,000, 20,000 word counts. Andy holds down a full-time job. He's doing a real stunning job of, of doing the writing. I know he's under pressure at the moment with deadlines, but um, I'm going to do a second interview with Graham because so much has changed since he and I first spoke. So on Thursday, I'm going up there to do a, a sort of an eye-to-eye, a face-to-face interview with Graham. Um, I'm going to talk to him uh, about some social media stuff. And then he and I are doing some pre- uh, short presentations at the event next week. So he and I have got to get our, our scripts uh, organized between us. And then on the Friday and the Saturday, it's um, two days worth of presentations. I'm going to stay overnight on the Friday. I only went for one day last year just to, to try it. And remember regretting leaving so early and wishing that I'd stayed on the Saturday. So um, I'm going to stay overnight on Friday. Uh, and, and then stay on the Saturday and come home on the Saturday night. Um, the, the, the Sunday is pitches to authors and things like that, which I, I, I don't want, to, uh, not pitches to authors, pitches to publishers, I beg your pardon, and agents and things. And I, I don't really want to do, I, I probably should have done, to be honest with you, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not really in the market for that yet because I, I want to go, um, I want to prioritize Bloodhound books first. So, um, so two days of that next week. Looking forward to that. Um, possibly it depends what the snow does in the UK at the moment, but the, all the, all the trains to Scotland have been cancelled as I record this. So I'm supposed to be up in Glasgow overnight on Monday, Tuesday, where I'm going to a UK based podcast, uh, get together, uh, because, um, the, the topic of conversation is getting to your hundredth podcast and what, what do you do? And I'm at, what, what am I? This is hundred and, this is number 90 of the diaries. And we're up to, I think, what are we on Monday? I think it's 105, isn't it? On Monday, yeah, 105 of the interviews on Monday. So we're clocking up some episodes here, but I, I was just keen to talk to some other UK podcasters, really just to exchange tips and hints about podcasts. Cause as you know, I'm doing two podcasts at the moment. Um, lovely, uh, couple of emails or an email exchange from, uh, Lee Wood this week. Now it's interesting because Lee is one of the people who's connected on YouTube and 
uh, I, I didn't do YouTube videos from the start with my podcast. And then I realized that you could connect the software Libsyn that I use with the podcast. You could just connect it and it posts them automatically. I'd be really surprised how many uh, people actually access this podcast via YouTube. It's quite fascinating. The other advantage of that is that it's very good for uh, people who need a, a text reader. So it, it, it automatically will <laughs> try and make sense of the gobbledygook that I speak on this podcast diary. And it, and it puts text on uh, on the screen. So for people who um, have hearing impairments, they can read the the screen. And um, I'm sort of, I, because I come from a BBC background, we were always very big on accessibility. And I, I try and take as much of the, the, the information I learned about accessibility on websites, I try and put as much as, of it as I reasonably can on my own website. So um, I'm a passionate believer in that. Um, but it's just been interesting because I, I didn't really expect anybody to to watch the videos or to, or to listen to them because there's no there's no moving pictures on them. It's just a static screen. But people obviously do on YouTube. People find it and, and prefer to access it on YouTube. And all I can assume they do is they just click go and let the audio go like it's on the radio on their computer. Um, but I've got a lot of listens, a lot of views through that. And obviously, they're beautifully keyworded as well, uh, being on YouTube. So uh, Lee Wood is one of the people who's connected with me on YouTube. And, and Lee just sent me a great um, email this week saying, uh, just to say thank you for the course on using Vellum for a PC, which um, actually quite a few people are buying. I, I had the commissions in off that from Teachable the other day. And I thought, oh, blimey, we're selling quite a few of those now. That's very good. So it's obviously meeting a need, my Vellum for PC course. Now, if you haven't got this yet, I see people all the time. I don't really want to push myself on groups. I, I hear people all the time saying, Vellum sounds great. Can you use it for a PC? And I think, well, it's not ready for me to push my, my course on there. But I do have a free post on my blog at paulteague.com so if you are reasonably techy you don't even have to buy the course if you don't want to i do show you how to do it but you do have to kind of join the dots yourself uh, on that i don't i don't hold hand you through every step of the process whereas with the course i do absolutely every single step of the process in the course and it's only a cheap course i can't remember what i sell it for now I think it's about 18 dollars or something like that because uh, there aren't that many videos in it but it seems to go down well and it, it sells quite consistently actually so anyhow uh, lee had bought the course um he'd revamped his first novel Mr. Lucky in the course. He's delighted with how it looks. He thinks Vellum is amazing, which I keep telling you on this podcast. If you haven't discovered it, Vellum is amazing. Um, Lee's really engaged with the podcast, actually. It's like um, Lee's like a perfect listener because he's listening. I mean, I hope I'm giving good advice because he's listened to everything I've said. He's bought the novel factory, which, as you know, I, I love for plotting. And I do all my character designs in there and everything like that. And by the way, I've done a video on this. Uh, if you go to my blog, I've done a, a Venom guide. And if you go to the Novel Factory site, I'm sure I've done a full length video on their blog showing you how I use Vellum and, and why I love it. So if you want a little bit more, not Vellum, Novel Factory, I beg your pardon. Um, so if you want to find out more about that, I'm sure a Google search will bring it up. But, um, so Lee's intending to get on with the Novel Factory. His second novel, which is called Lucky Break, uh, comes out on 23rd of, I assume it's March. I think it's March. And he's going to use Vellum for that as well. And this is, this is great. I mean, this is, again, this is the benefits of working or, or coming on a podcast. Uh, um, Lee has listened to my interview with Morgan Bailey, who is a uh, sort of proofreader editor, also a writer. Uh, Morgan was on the podcast a couple of months ago. Uh, Lee liked the sound of what she does. And so he's paid uh, Morgan um, to do uh, an edit and says, Morgan's great. Thank you very much for that. So, 
you know, it's fantastic um, that Lee's just got so much uh, personal value out of the podcast. And when you get an email like that, it does make you feel like you're not just broadcasting into this void, that you are actually putting in all this gobbledygook and nonsense I speak every week, that hopefully you are actually transmitting some stuff that is useful among all of the ums and the ahs. Um, an interesting point here, and this is this is great, actually. I think I've heard Joanna Penn talk about this, that as authors, we're so lucky because we can use our... Our, our art or our, our products in ways that we want to. And Lee, at the moment, this is very pertinent at this time of year in the UK, uh, Lee is giving all the profits to his first book, from his first book, Mr Lucky, to his local homeless shelter, uh, because the, the book is based on a homeless person who wins £168 million on the lotto, which is the UK lottery. And he says, so far, I've raised enough for 22 rough sleeper packs. You know, how amazing is that to write a book and to know that you've helped 22 people locally who are rough sleeping um, to hopefully have a, a safer night out? And as I say, this is really pertinent in the UK at the moment because it's such so darn cold. Your heart goes out to anybody who hasn't got a roof over their head. So, um, again, that's just really interestingly that you're doing that. I I sent Lee an email and said, thanks very much for the email. You know, it's really interesting. Do you mind if I mentioned you on the podcast? And um, <laughs> Lee then got back to me and said that he'd um, listened to Rachel Amphlett's interviews and then gone out and bought the first K Hunter book after the podcast. And then he really enjoyed the book, thought it was very fa fast paced. And then as you do, he'd started to look at Rachel's website and then saw that she'd started playing guitar after seeing The Who and Lee's, Lee's you know, favourite band is The Who, it's his favourite band of all time. And so this is how the internet works, isn't it? You hear somebody mention something, you click, and then you find out that person's got some commonality and experience with you. And this is the wonderful world that we live in online now. And as, a, as, a, as you keep hearing me say, I've done blogging, I've been on the internet for a while, but there has never been anything like podcasting, I don't think, for uh, building this wonderful um, online community and having these just incredible conversations that I have with people that I haven't even met yet. So, uh, Lee, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and trouble to write that email. It really does make it feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. I'm not just sitting here on a Friday afternoon um, talking to myself. So thank you. It's very much uh, appreciated. That is it for this week's uh, podcast diary. Um, just running over half an hour, so that's just a nice length. My guest on Monday is Holly Cave. Now, another story to go with this meeting. Holly I met right at the beginning of my indie author career, so I had only just discovered the Alliance of Independent Authors, and they were having an event in London, and this must be, has to be 2014, 2015. Holly and I were trying to work it out. Uh, and it was at a, I think it was at Foils in London, if I remember rightly. And I, I, this must have been at the end of my internet marketing time because I know I'd had, a, I'd got some other things on in London at the time, meetings and things. And, um, so I went to Foils and I just thought, oh, it's, um, the Alliance of Independent Authors looks great. They had a really good indie authors event on. So I jumped on the train and I went down and Holly was just the person I was sitting next to. And we got yakking and I'd written or was writing, um, the secret bunker at the time. So I was only one or two books in to my career. Her, Holly had written a book called The Generation. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, she had published it at the time because um, I, I know that after the event, she set up a stall and so was selling her books. So she had published hers at the time. And that makes me think I'd probably got The Secret Bunker out at that time. But I don't think I'd gone any further than that. But we got chatting and we had lunch together, as you do. And, um, you know, we got on well. And, and like you do, I connected on social media. And um, 
Holly uh, has got a deal. She got a trad deal. So she self-published The Generation. And then I, I'd seen that she'd got some things going on. And then she'd got a traditional deal. And it's a really uh, good deal with Quercus, which is a really big sort of publisher in the UK. She got a two-book deal. And her book was published, as I record this, I think I'm right in saying this, I'm sure it was last Monday. Uh, so Monday, I'm sure it was Monday 26th. Uh, and her, her new book, her traditionally published book, is The Memory Chamber, which is a, a sci-fi book as well. So I was really keen. I, I was going to interview Holly. She was actually, I can't remember what she was scheduled to be. When I started this podcast, she was scheduled to be, I can't remember what it was, something like episode five or six. She was one of the really early episodes. And for whatever reason, that interview uh, didn't happen. So uh, I, I've been really keen to catch up with her. And um, fortunately, we, we managed to to get together at the same time. And I did an interview, which was fabulous. It was just before the memory chamber was released. But Holly's uh, is a fa fascinating situation because her first experience, very recent experience was of self-publishing. And now of course, she's just gone through, literally, it's very, very new to her. She's going through the traditionally published experience too. And it was a really interesting interview. And, you know, she, she's got a foot in both camps. Um, the jury was still out about what she thought about both. I think she really liked having the marketing done for her by the traditional publisher, but she's still having to do the blog tours, things like that. So um, if you aspire to be a traditional author, if you think maybe the, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, then uh, listen on Monday. It's a fascinating uh, interview. Um, we kind of took divergent paths. And and one of the things I, I said to Holly, it, it, you know, in the time when we met there, I mean, let's just say I had my trilogy out. So maybe I had three books out and she had one self-published book out. If you look at how many books I've got out in the interim, so I'm up to, well, pretty well 14 now. And say Holly's up to two in that time because it's taken so long to go through that traditional publishing process. You know, this is one of the things that we were talking about. Well, would you have just been better banging the books out, you know, faster as self-publisher? And, and I have to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally decided on this. You know, I, I'm really moving more towards the hybrid arrangement because one of the things I said to her was, I hope that you've maximized the opportunities with your self-published book because when people see your traditionally published book, they're going to try and find more books from Holly Cave. And of course, with your self-published book, you're going to take 70% of the commission. So make, you know, make sure you've got a mailing list attached to that. Make sure you capitalize on all the traffic the, that the traditional publisher is going to drive for you. And this is how I'm feeling now uh, about maybe getting some books traditionally published because it brings readers to you in a different way. They will move on to find your self-published books and your self-published books make you more money. And to me, this kind of hybrid arrangement is making more and more sense um, all the time so I, I still want to do it the way I've done it which is in many respects to cut my teeth and to learn the trade as a self-published author but I am very receptive now to getting the the project Bloodhound book whether it's with Bloodhound or not I'm very receptive to getting that uh, traditionally published by somebody who who can bring a thriller audience to me and so that they can read that book uh, and then move through the chain of books are all at 70% commissions because they'll find another seven there that I make more money from. And it, it, to me, this makes perfect sense with the number of books that I've got out now. It feels like it's the right next thing to do. 
Um, and, and in the meantime, ho- hopefully, <laughs> my readers will tell you whether it's happening or not, but Touchwood, my writing's got better and more assured in that time. So I hope it's slightly more appealing to a traditional author. So anyhow, that was a very long way round of telling you that my guest on Monday's Holly Cave, the author of The Memory Chamber, that will be episode number 105 of Self-Publishing Journeys. I hope you'll join me on Monday the 5th of March for that new episode, and I will be back, hopefully, with thriller number seven, book number 14 completed next Saturday for another Paul's Podcast Diary. Have a fabulous week of writing. If you're in the UK, I hope everything thaws soon. I'll see you next Saturday. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.